Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners, and thank you so much for dropping in for another episode. This is episode 112, and my guest is Jeremy Miller, who's the founder of Jeremy Miller Fitness. One of the things I told you at the beginning of this year was that personally, I'm very focused on mindset development, and I have been for a while, but I really set some goals for myself this year around intentionally strengthening and improving my mindset. And I also told you that I wanted to have more guests on the podcast that could really share, you know, their own personal tactics and strategies that they use in their day-to-day life to improve their mindset. And Jeremy Miller is a perfect example of this. Not only is Jeremy a successful entrepreneur and, you know, share some of that experience with us, how, you know, he got the confidence to walk away from a very good, you know, corporate job with a salary and benefits and everything that comes with that to go all in on his fitness business. Uh, but he's also a competitive runner. He runs marathons and ultra marathons. In fact, that's predominantly what he does in his fitness business. He does one-on-one coaching. He has an app that coaches people that you know want to become better runners, whether that's competitive or they just want to get better at running regardless of what their experience with running is at that point. So Jeremy kind of brings, I think, several different perspectives that that are really going to add some value for those listening. One is, you know, this perspective of what it takes to, you know, go all in as an entrepreneur. Um, and also this other perspective of just the type of mindset that's needed to uh, do very hard things such as running a marathon or running an ultra marathon. And, you know, we talk a lot about the alignment in terms of the mindset that's necessary to be an entrepreneur and the mindset that's necessary to go out and run a marathon. And Jeremy shares some tips and strategies that he uses to, you know, flip that switch mentally when, you know, he knows he needs to go out and get some miles in, but it's the last thing that he feels like doing. So without stealing too much thunder from Jeremy of the episode, let's go ahead and get into it. But I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know Jeremy a little bit and talking to him in this episode. I have no doubt that you'll enjoy every second of it. He shares a lot of valuable information and experience. So without further ado, let's drop in with Jeremy Miller. Jeremy, welcome. Thanks for being here, man. Wes, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to do it. So for those that that are not familiar with, I mean, you've got a pretty big following on social media. Um, but for those that may not be familiar with you, just you know, give us kind of a, a brief introduction and uh, you know, what you do in your business. Yeah. So the the like I would say I want to start with the large following is definitely a newer thing. Um, you know, since over the last like six months, basically built that up. But really, okay. Um, you know, now I'm a running coach, content creator. I'm a runner myself, marathons, ultra marathons, um, and just doing a whole bunch of things. But running is kind of that central idea behind all of it. Yeah. So uh, we were chatting a little bit about this, but you've got a you've been able to to build a full-time business that well that's your full-time you know working focus centered around you know this kind of love or, or passion that you have for running um so tell us a little bit more like what do you actually do in your business how have you been able to essentially monetize something that that was already such a big part of your life yeah so about eight months ago or so i had a couple of friends um hit me up say like 
Hey, I know you're a runner. You've done some marathons, done some, some trail running and ultra marathons. And I want to be doing, or I want to run a marathon myself. So like, do you think you could help me, you know, build a training plan? Um, and I think, you know, just like any other great business that kind of starts out with like having friends and family, yeah, you know, ask you for favors like that. And so, uh, started out that way, helping just a couple of friends, um, coaching them for their marathons. It went really well. And I was, I was still working a nine to five job at that time. Um, and I was like, man, I think this coaching thing like could go somewhere. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. It's, it's very fulfilling. And so um, I built a website out, you know, started marketing myself just a little bit on, on Instagram and social media saying like, hey, guys, I'm going to start coaching people for running and, you know, talk about my experience and the knowledge that I can provide you. And then from there, it just kind of honestly overnight kind of exploded. I went from like a couple like those couple of friends to like 30 or 40 people within like a couple of weeks. Wow. So it blew up really quickly, which is nice. Um, so that's kind of like the sure. main source of income now. And then, um, now I'm up to like 60 people that I'm working with one-on-one, um, you know, still growing that every month. And then, uh, recently I built out a, a training app where I wanted to build it to, you know, give value to more people without obviously having to, to trade my time for it. So sure created this training app where it's like all these, you know, different videos and me doing exercises built out several different training programs, um, mostly related to like strength training, but also running as well, combining the two. Okay. And so I've got, you know, several hundred people on there using that, those programs. Um, and again, that's a nice thing because they're still getting my knowledge and, and my insights without like that direct one-on-one contact with me. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also doing some some like brand partnerships online now that I've built a little bit of an audience. And then as well as doing some some more recently like content consulting and teaching other people, you know, what I've learned through the process of building up my personal brand. That's so cool, man. There's 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 so many things that I wanna wanna ask you about just in that kind of brief overview. But you know, I guess one of the first ones would be um you know, because you said the the like the following that you've developed is really you know kind of been within the last six months. Like, can you can you look back and point to any kind of one thing that that really you know kind of made that hockey stick growth curve with your following? I think yeah, it's pretty simple, honestly. And it's just I started posting every single day mm. uh, on my Instagram, my TikTok, my YouTube. Um, I had like a little following, like I think I had like three or four thousand Instagram followers, and, and most of it was just you know friends from high school and sure. college and stuff. Um, and then I just kind of made the decision. I'm like, I would love to be able to to build a following and have an audience to whatever I end up wanting to do in my life. Like it's just it's so valuable to have that following. So I was like, okay, I can. I, and I guess to give a little bit more background, my job that I was doing, the nine to five job was building this guy's personal brand. His name's Nick Bear. He's a, a CEO of a supplement company here in Austin. Okay. Um, and he's got, he's got a really large following. He's got you know, like a million YouTube subscribers, but I was helping him build his content out. Okay. So I learned all these tips and tricks and, and really kind of developed this formula of, you know, how to create valuable content for people and, and doing it in a, do it in a consistent way. And right. so I was like, really reached that point of like, okay, I can do this for myself. I know how to do it. So, you know, kind of just made that leap of, you know, going all in on myself. And I, th- I think it was like July 20th, somewhere around there. I just said, okay, I'm going to post every single day, it, whether it's a photo, a reel, whatever it is onto my Instagram feed. And for the last six, seven months, it's been every single day. I haven't missed a day since then. And again, at that time, I had about three or 4,000 Instagram followers. Now it's like 67,000 yeah. um, and continuing to grow every single day. So to answer your question, that one thing was just that decision to to be consistent with it. I was kind of hoping that that was going to be the answer, right? Because I think a lot of people, you know, they look at, you know, call it an influencer, content creator, whatever. And they're like, oh, there's some like, you know, silver bullet. Right. And, and some people like, you know, do blow up literally almost overnight, but I think, you know, from everything I've seen, the, the real key is just making that decision to be consistent with it. Um, which, you know, is the case in virtually every other aspect of life, right. Is if you want to get results, you got to be consistent and, and put in the work. So, um, but it's cool that you, you had that experience, you know, you were kind of learning this formula, and then just got to a point and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this for someone else. Like why not do it for myself? That's, that's a hundred percent spot on. Um, and it was just like, I'm putting in so much time and energy and, and to building this big thing for someone else. Like 
and again, I, I wanted to always treat it as a learning experience, but which I, which I, you know, I got that out of it, but um, it just reached that point where I'm like, I could be doing this for myself, having higher returns, you know, building something for me rather than, you know, building something for somebody else. Um, and it was, you know, it's definitely a tough decision to leave that, you know, the security of a job. And I know that's, you know, one of the biggest things for everybody. Um, but it, at the end of the day, it's like, I think you're just going to kind of figure it out. It's, it's a terrible answer, but if you just put yourself into that very uncomfortable situation, I think, um, either way, like you're, you're going to figure it out. Um, it's like sink or swim basically. Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, action always trumps fear, right? I think a lot of people, you know, whether it's starting a business or, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about running, you know, in this conversation, right? But like if if someone wanted to start training, you know, to run a 5K or or a half marathon or something, but they're not really a runner, it's like, you know, there's this temptation to like wait until you feel like you're better prepared or fully prepared. And it's like, you're never going to be unless you start taking some action. And once you start taking action, like, yeah, it's going to feel uncomfortable and you're not going to have it all figured out, but that's when the pieces start to kind of fall in place and you start to get some clarity on, you know, what you need to do from there. And it's like just one step builds on the other. Um, so I think that's, that's really good advice. You know, was, was it something that would you say you really struggled with that decision to leave the security of a, a good job and, and, you know, start your own thing or, or, you know, did that come a little more naturally to you? Um, yes and no. Um, I will say before I had that nine to five job, I, I was self-employed for a couple of years before that, um, just doing like photo and video freelance kind of stuff. And that okay. led me to that job. So I had like some experience. I wasn't, when I was doing the freelance, I wasn't making a lot of money and it was like still very insecure. Um, so I had, you know, I was like, okay, I think I could figure out how to do it. But even, you know, prior to that, I think, you know, going from self-employed to a nine to five job, it becomes very, very comfortable because it's like you just have a salary, you get a paycheck every two weeks. It's like it's very low risk. Yeah. And so like I even though I already had that prior experience of being self-employed, I like easily fell into that that same like routine of the nine yeah. to five thing. Yeah. And so again, it came to the point of like, okay, I know how to do it, but it's still gonna be scary. Um yeah. and just like you mentioned, it's like if you don't just take that first step and do it, like it's never going to happen. Like you have to do it. It's just, I think so many people and myself included suffer from the paralysis by analysis of like, yep. you're just going to think of all the reasons you shouldn't do it and all the reasons that it could go wrong and all these things. But unless you actually take action on it, like you never actually know, like, I, I don't know. It's um, like you said, action trumps fear a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So um, and, and I treat like, you know, like the, the athletes that I coach for running, I tell them that same exact thing. Like if they want to, you know, qualify for like the Boston marathon, it's like a big time. It's a, a scary goal to set, but I tell them, I'm like, you might not be there right now, but you're never going to get there if you don't at least try. And, yeah. and that's, and you know, it applies to, to several things like that. Yeah, it really does. And, and I think like a lot of times, you know, if you have some of these goals, right, some of, you know, bef especially before you're taking any action, when you're kind of trapped in the the paralysis by analysis mode, it's like, you know, these goals can can look and feel unattainable. And like, I, I mean, I can point to numerous instances in, in my life and career where, like, I can remember being at one point and being like, man, if I could just get there, that would be awesome. And now I look at it, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm way past there now. And I, I never, and, and like for me, not even that long ago, like five, six years ago, um, you know, you've, you've blown some of those goals out of the water because it's like this, you know, compounding interest, right? If you're taking action and putting in the work, like, you know, it's going to be messy at times. You're definitely going to make some mistakes and still going to be uncomfortable, but um, it, it pays off over time. Um, and it really does kind of compound compound or, or snowball. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that scared me at least was I had, you know, these, these things that I wanted to go do these goals that I had, but I would look, look at people that were doing those things and I would forget like, Oh, they've been doing it for years. They've been doing it for like a decade. And then it, it just kills your confidence. Cause you're like, man, I'll never be able to get there. Like, how am I going to take all these steps to get there? But it's like everybody has to start somewhere. And the, that person that you're looking up to started probably a similar position that you're in right now. And so you just have to take it literally 
one day at a time, like, do you know, one thing each day to keep moving the needle. Um, and I, I think for me, at least that's like an easier way mentally to kind of chunk it up and, and to break it down and not feel overwhelmed and, and to keep that confidence is just, um, you know, it's like be better than you were yesterday or just, you know, do a little bit more than you did the day before. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, everyone started somewhere because it is, especially in this day and age with social media and stuff. And, and you know, basically everywhere you look, it's it's someone's highlight reel, right? They're putting out what they want you to see, none of the other stuff. And so it's very easy to fall into that. Well, they've got it all figured out. They're, you know, they're they're perfect. But then, you know, yourself and you're like, well, I'm not I'm not perfect. Like, um, so, yeah, I think that's a really, really important thing that that people need to keep in mind um you know and and i was telling you this before we started recording i thought it was really interesting you know part of your story you know now you've got this business that's centered around you know training people to to run and be high performing athletes um but you haven't been a runner your whole life so tell us a little bit about like how did your journey if you will with running start uh, cause I think you're a perfect example of someone else that's out there thinking, you know, Hey, I can never run an ultra marathon. Like you haven't been doing this for your whole life. A hundred percent. So I, uh, I was, I played sports growing up. Um, hockey was my main thing. So I've always been active and, um, generally when we would have to run in sports, it was for punishment. So I just hated <laughs> running. I yeah. absolutely resented it. Yep. And it was, it was literally just like the worst thing ever. Um, and then it was 2018, um, I picked up David Goggins book. I heard him on, on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I feel like a lot of people have this similar story of, of, you know, hearing David Goggins and getting into running. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, there, there's something about it. It's just, you know, listening to his story, listening to him speak and like just his perspective resonated so much with me. Um, of like, I, you know, he had a, a horrible childhood. I don't know how much you know about him, but you know, yeah. his dad was like super abusive mentally yeah. and psychologically. Um, and like, my my home life wasn't really that bad, but like my parents divorced when I was in high school and like it got pretty nasty and stuff. So like I just related a lot to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, hearing him talk about running being like not necessarily like an escape, but like a means to become tougher mentally mm-hmm. and, and be able to handle the things that life throws at you. And, and kind of, you know, basically putting yourself in like an uncomfortable situation every single day yep. by doing something like running or, or weightlifting or, you know, going and do these like big, very challenging physical events. Um, and I always like to think of it now as like, it's like voluntary suffering on a daily basis. It's like if you wake up in the morning, it's uncomfortable. Like you don't want to get out of bed. Nobody does, but get up, go out inside in the cold and, you know, go run for 45 minutes or an hour. Like that's typically the hardest part of your day. And if you can go out and get that done first thing in the morning, like the rest of your day is going to be cake. And so I I started to learn that, you know, from listening to his podcast, reading his book and then experiencing it myself. And I literally, for the first whole year of me getting into running, I ran no more than like two miles a day. It was just like, go run out a mile, come back a mile. And that was my run for the day. It took me like 20 minutes. And now it's like yesterday I ran 10 miles on a Wednesday and like, didn't even think about it. So it's, it's just so crazy. The, again, the compounding effect of that consistency of showing up and, and continuing to work at something. Yeah. But, but yes, yeah, so that's, I mean, a basic overview of the stories, you know, start listening to him and really just got addicted to like, okay, today I'm going to run two miles next week. I'll run three miles and, and so on. And just kind of go down that path of doing more distance and running faster. Um, and it can really kind of <laughs> turn into like a drug almost, especially like yeah. when it comes to these different races, like, did my first 5k and then I'd signed up for a half marathon. And I'm like, man, I wonder if I could do a full marathon after I did the full marathon. I was like, what if I did like a 50 miler? And it's, you know, it, now there's like 250 mile races and, and even more than that. So it's, um, it's, yeah. it's just crazy where it goes from there. Have you, have you read his newest book? I just finished it a couple of weeks ago and yeah, I mean, some of the races that he's done, I mean, hundreds of miles long and, you know, doing it with injuries and whatnot, but no, it's, it's so true. Like if you, if you're willing to really intentionally work on, you know, becoming tougher mentally, right? So, you know, doing hard things on purpose, um, it has such an impact on your life and in every aspect of your life. But um, it, it makes it almost anything else you're going to do easier, right? And I'm, I'm not a, I mean, I run a bit, but I'm certainly, I wouldn't consider myself a runner also played sports growing up. It was always punishment. So I've, I've never like 
enjoyed running, but you know, I, I got into doing cold showers a few years ago and would do it first thing in the morning. And like, there's obviously physical benefits to doing that. But for me, the biggest benefit is uh, the the mental toughness, right? If you can get in the shower and crank that nozzle cold first thing in the morning, even though your your mind and body's screaming at you not to, like, you're probably not going to have much else come up the rest of the day that's going to be harder than that you know so it's just kind of setting the tone for yourself and and for the day and those are just you know kind of simple examples but you know if you get into a a habit of doing these types of things intentionally right because i think one of the biggest things we struggle with you know in this day and age is like everything's so easy everything's on demand you know we can pretty much constantly have like these you know, short-term dopamine hits coming at us. And I think long-term that's like a recipe for, for depression or just, you know, not, not really living a a fulfilled life. And so I think people need to find ways it can, it can look different for, for each person, right? It doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be cold plunges or, or whatever, but, you know, find ways to, you know, work on your mindset every day, just like, you know, if you want to be healthy and, and, you know, have a good body, you gotta, you gotta put the work in physically. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. And I think another way I like to, I like to look at it is just getting, you know, a small win in the morning, you know, to start every single day, because like, you know, the same thing as trying to leave a nine to five job and, and, you know, go and work for yourself. It's like, a lot of times I lack the confidence of like, can I run this business? Can I, can I do this big goal that I have? And so, you know, waking up first thing in the morning and just doing something that is uncomfortable for you. And again, it doesn't have to be running or yeah. physical exercise, whatever it is, like just whatever is uncomfortable for you that is going to challenge you and get you out of your, you know, your comfort zone, um, go and do that thing. And then it's like, okay, you start your day off with a win. And then, you know, when you're driving in traffic and somebody cuts you off, like you're not, raging at him because you know you you got that out and like you're like i, I don't care like there's so many other things i'd rather think about yeah, worry move about on. Than, right exactly so um I, again i think you know just getting those wins in the morning and it, it just it builds so much confidence to allow you to to take those big jumps and and go and do those things that you really want to do that are scary because again you've built that confidence yeah so you know, talking of like David Goggins and stuff, I wasn't planning to ask you this, but I happened to notice. I'm I'm sure you're a big fan of Cameron Haynes, you know, with you being a runner and whatnot, and he talks about a lot of the mindset stuff. He follows you on Instagram. I assume you know that, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I met him um, when I was running my my marathon up in Eugene, Oregon. He lives in yeah, Eugene. Yeah. And uh, I like in the back of my mind, I was like, oh man, I'd be cool to run into Cam Haynes while I'm out here. I didn't expect to. Um, and then it was like mile six of the marathon. I see this like little buff dude run up next to me. And then uh, I like, I didn't think much of it again. And then I look at his shirt and he, uh, he's got like the keep hammering logo on the yeah. back of his shirt. Yeah. Like, Holy crap. I think that's, I think that's Cam Haynes. So I like, I ran up next to him and like ran with him for a couple of miles and chatted with him. Um, and then I actually talked him into coming down to Austin to, do the podcast for the guy that I was working for, Nick. No way. Um, so he came down to Austin, did his podcast, and like we hung out a little bit. Um, super cool dude. I would say out of all of the like quote unquote famous people I've met, he is by far the most humble, like most genuine people that I've ever met. He's like, however he appears on Instagram and social media, like he's exactly that same way online. Or yeah, I was gonna say because that's that's how he comes across, right? Is just being right. a real dude and and humble. But it, like if you know his story. You know, he didn't really come from much and he was a pretty what most people would consider ordinary guy, um, you know, until he started getting some traction and and people started following him. But anyways, that's really cool. Um, that's a really cool story. But um, yeah, I happened to notice that and I was like, um, that's that's really neat because um, I, I I have a lot of respect for him. I like um, I like what he talks about and, and just kind of what he preaches and he seems to really practice what he preaches too. So, um, so, you know, with your business, what types of people are, are you helping or is is it like all competitive runners that are looking to, you know, just keep getting better and and gain an edge or are you working with people that, you know, really don't have any experience running, but they want to get into it? Um, I would say it's about 70, 30, honestly, about 70% of the people being, either first time marathoners or people that 
I wouldn't consider elite necessarily. Um, and people that are, you know, just trying to, again, run their first marathon, their first half marathon, or, you know, they've done maybe one or two marathons and they just want to get faster. Um, and then the other 30% would be, you know, people that are more, I would guess elite or, or, you mm-hmm. know, people that have done several races, um, or that are, you know, faster, I guess. And, and I hate even talking about paces and stuff because the way I look at it, everybody is putting in the same amount of effort, the same amount of work. Um, Mm. you know, there's several factors that go into how fast you are as a runner, you know, genetic and there's a million things we could talk about. But, um, again, it's like about, again, 70, 70% of the people are just, you know, I would consider them newbie runners who, who are just looking for that help to, to go and do that first marathon. So that's honestly, those are the most gratifying people to work with because, you know, they've run maybe, you know, 5k or, you know, they've never done anything over like 10 miles or something and they want to go and, and run a, their first marathon, which is a huge accomplishment. Sure. Um, so it's really cool to be a part of that, that process in someone's life. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected, and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. Oh, I bet. I bet. So so what would be you know, not to give away like, you know, everything, but what would be kind of like the general protocol that, that you would help a newer runner start working on? Like say their goal was to get to, to a point where they can run their first marathon and say there's someone that's, you know, never run more than a mile or two at a time when they start with you, like, where do you start and what does the progression kind of look like for them to be able to get to, uh, the point of being able to run a marathon. Yeah, it's uh obviously it's different for everybody, you know, because everybody has different background, different, you know, baseline abilities. Um, but for most people, you know, it'll start out very, very slow. Like even sometimes like a running walk or a run slash walk type mm-hmm. workout where it's like, you know, they'll run for four to five minutes and then walk for two to three minutes or something like that, just to like really get their body used to it. And that's you know, kind of the overarching theme with, with, you know, people running their first marathon is just not getting too excited and like just trying to go out and run 10, 15 miles every single weekend. It's like, you really have to ease into it because if you never ran before, your body's not used to it. Yeah. And a lot of those muscles that you're using and the bones and stuff don't really get used anywhere else other than running. Mm. And so it's just so easy to cause an injury. Um, and, and when I first started running, I had several injuries. Um, and so I've kind of figured out ways to navigate those with, with newer people and, you know, hopefully help them avoid those injuries. But again, kind of that main thing is just to not increase mileage too quickly and just to really ease into it. And obviously that takes a little bit more time. You know, it might take five to six months to go from literally like couch to, to marathon, but that's the smartest way. And obviously, you know, the, the best way to go about it without preventing or without causing a, a long-term injury. 
or just burning out, I would imagine, right. right? Like even if you didn't seriously hurt yourself, like like I said, I'm not I'm not a runner. I'm I'm pretty active. I I train, you know, regularly or whatever, but running's not something I enjoy and and you know, it sounds like I probably should give it a shot because I, I see the the benefit of, you know, like like we talked about the mental toughness and and all of that. But anyways, like if I went out and tried to run six or seven miles right now, like I probably could force my way through it, but I'd I'd be in a lot of pain, but I would also just be like that. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like that was absolutely miserable. Like it would probably take away any desire whatsoever to like go back out the next day and, and get after it. Whereas like, if you start with these smaller kind of bite-sized chunks, it's easier to build consistency, which is going to, improve your endurance it's gonna you know these parts of your body that you're really not using unless you're running those are gonna get stronger um just like you're talking about with building your social media following right it's it's consistency is a big part of it if you want to get the the long-term results yeah i think running um or anything that's this very challenging like a, a cold shower is a perfect example is it's it's just like constant decision making um and yeah. i actually heard to bring him up again david goggins talking about this of like he calls it the one second decision mm -hmm. of like literally every single second that you're enduring something that's uncomfortable. You're just constantly, should I keep going or should I stop? Should I keep going? Should I stop? Should I keep going? And it's so easy for that one second to be like, all right, I guess I'll stop. And then you call it quits right there. Um, so I think obviously running is a physical endeavor, but it can become very, very mentally exhausting for that reason of like, you have to constantly be in that decision-making mode because it is so uncomfortable. Um, and again, that's where you can kind of build up, um, you know, that, that like callous to it of like, it, it just like anything else, like you do a bunch of pull-ups, like you're going to build calluses on your hands. It, you, you can do the same thing with your mind. And David Goggins talks about that a lot. Um, and so it's, it's the same thing with running. Like, you know, I, like I've talked about, I, I started with, you know, two days or two miles a day, three miles a day and slowly worked my way up. And so now it's like, to go run three or four miles, it's like, I don't even have to think about it. Um, and now it's like to the point where like 20 miles is a big effort and I have to, you know, kind of get myself into that mode, but you know, you can't, you can't get there without first going through all the other steps. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, cause you know, it, I'm sure that, you know, the vast majority of the time you love running, I'm sure in some ways it's kind of therapeutic for you. But I also imagine there's days where it's the last thing you feel like doing, right? You're running a business now. That business is growing. Like you're probably getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And I'm sure there's days where you're like, look, I need it. I know I need to go get my miles in, but I don't have the time or I don't feel like it or the weather's crappy or whatever it is. Like, what are some of the, you know, I guess mental hacks or tricks that you've developed to maybe kind of flip that switch in your head to go from, I don't feel like doing this, but I know I need to, to, all right, let's go, let's go get it done. I would say five out of the six days a week that I run, I don't want to run. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, well, that's good to hear for the, yeah, for those of us know, that really don't like to run. Yeah, mo yeah. I really don't want to most of the time. Um, but the, I would say to answer your question, um, I basically just tell myself, like, think about how it's going to feel when you finish. Um, yeah. and really the, the hardest part, it's just getting out the door because it's like mm -hmm. once I'm out the door, then I'm good. But it's like, you know, actually putting on my running clothes, putting on my shoes and, you know, going out the door. That is by far the hardest process, the har hardest part of the process. Because, um, again, it's like once you're out there, then then you're fine. You're already out there. So you might as well just do it. Yeah. Um, and, and I tell myself that, too, like when it comes to like strength training or when it comes to like creating uh, a video or like, you know, writing a post or something, it's, it's always like the hardest part is opening up your laptop and like opening up a word document. Yeah, like starting. Once you, yeah. Once you get you know that first word on the page, like you're good, but it's just that, that initial part that's um, that's where the most friction is at. And so that's uh, that's what I tell myself, you know, so kind of subconsciously now is like, you know, just, just get out the door and figure it out at that point. But, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. It it answers the question really well, I think. And like, I, I can relate to that. I've learned, you know, in, in different things to think about like how I'm going to feel once it's done. Um, you know, cause that's reminding yourself, like, you know, I need to do this. I'm better off if I do it. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to like 
Cause like one of the things I've struggled with is getting up early and, and working out, you know, before the day starts, like I would much rather work out mid afternoon or, or in the evening. And, um, you know, a lot of times that's feasible, but then there's times where that just doesn't jive with, you know, my schedule or the kid's schedule or whatever. And so like when I do get up early and work out and then I've got like maybe an hour after working out before the kids get up, before my phone starts going off and emails start flying, like that's a really nice time too. That's kind of like a really nice reward. And so I've almost gotten where I take like a mental snapshot every time I find myself like sitting down with a cup of coffee, it's quiet and I've got like an hour to myself. I'm like, this is why I need to get up and like, yeah, the workout and all that is important, but like, this is sweet. Like this is a really nice reward. You know, it's not perfect. There's still plenty of mornings when the alarm goes off and I'm like, nope, not, not feeling like doing that. And, um, but if you can bring that kind of memory top of mind, then for me, at least it's helped. So that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned strength training and, and, you know, some of the stuff that I've seen you put on Instagram, you know, it seems like that's a pretty big part of your overall training protocol. So, you know, how, how important do you say, you know, strength training is for someone that wants to be a competitive runner? Cause like you're, you're pretty good shape. You're, you're pretty jacked, right? I think a lot of people think of runners like little scrawny dudes that, you know, you know, they, they, they just run, but they don't have any muscle on them. So like, how important is it if you want to really be serious about running to also have a good strength training program? Yeah. I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about that, like where, you know, they seem like mutually exclusive things. And, and in my experience and, you know, science says that they're, they don't, they shouldn't be, and they don't have to be. Um, and so like for my first marathon example, I didn't strength train whatsoever. Um, I just, focused solely on running. Cause I thought that was the thing to do. Uh-huh. And so I stopped, stopped lifting all this stuff. And I just felt like crap all the time. I didn't hit my goal. Um, I finished the marathon, but again, I just, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And then my second marathon, I started adding in more strength training. It was only like two to three days a week, nothing like real crazy. Um, but I felt better all the time, just on a day-to-day basis. I like my, my splits were getting faster and my pace were getting faster. And I ended up crushing my goal time. Um, and so since then, that was about a year ago. Now on a weekly basis, I lift four to six times a week and I, I just feel so much better. Um, and I think there's, there's so many benefits to it outside of just like performance, but you know, injury prevention is one of the biggest things. Um, and there's a lot of like hormonal benefits as well, because strictly endurance training is just not really great for your hormones. So Mm -hmm. you need that strength that strength training to kind of balance it out, um, with the endurance. Um, so there's a lot of science behind it as well, but I think like, like for me, I lifted in high school, lifted in college and, and that's exactly what I did. I just went in and like went to the gym and lifted and worked out. I didn't really like have intention with it, mm-hmm. but now making running a focus and now like strength training, I feel like I'm, I'm training and having more intention with it. Um, and it, there's, there's just so much, so many benefits to it. Um, it's like literally on a weekly basis, I can see myself getting stronger in the gym and stronger as a runner. Um, so it's uh, I think it's, it's super crucial. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's got to be cool, you know, because you're now like, you know, lifting and strength training with this intention of becoming a better runner, um, being able to track that progress. Right. Because like, you know, I'm sure you can you can see the results and like how much you're able to lift. And when you look in the mirror, but being able to see it, like actually help you improve your metrics as a runner. Um, I, I'm sure that makes it easier to to keep, you know, putting in that work intentionally. Definitely. And I, th- I think really, I mean, obviously, I, I love to be able to run faster and run farther and, and feel better while doing it. But honestly, it's just kind of a longevity thing. Like I know that, you know, like I don't really do a lot of like bodybuilding type stuff. It's more functional movements, a lot of mm-hmm. kettlebell kind of stuff. And so yep. like, you know, cross plane type movements that, that really require your full body. And like, I, I've never been like a super flexible, super mobile guy, but after doing, you know, this type of training, I just, in my day, day-to-day life, like I feel better. I can bend down and pick something up and like, it just feels easier. I can, you know, like play with my dogs and like, have a little bit more energy and like spring in my step. So, um, there's so much to it outside of just running. Um, obviously like that's an added bonus as well, but, um, there's, you know, and that's at the end of the day, that's why I run. I don't really run to just run fast and hit do all these races. I do it because I just want to like feel good in my day-to-day life and, and continue that longevity. Yeah. 
yeah, it's important. I mean, I'm, I'm 36, I've got three kids and you know, it's like, it starts to catch up with you stuff that, you know, like just picking the kids up and throwing them around and playing with them. Like it, you know, it'll hurt your back, your knees. And, you know, if you can consistently try to just improve, you know, your overall strength and endurance and all that, it's going to pay dividends, you know, long-term and, and you're just going to have a better quality life all around. Um, what about nutrition? How big of, of a role does nutrition play in all of this? Honestly, I think, I think nutrition is more important than sleep. Um, your, your exercise, like all these other things, I think nutrition trumps all those things just because, you know, it's, it's literally the, the fuel that you're, you're putting into your body and, and having your body operate off of. And that is, there's just so many benefits, obviously, like Nutrition is the hardest part as well. Um, yeah. Because again, it's that constant decision making of like, well, should I just go to McDonald's or you know, should I buy this like highly processed thing that's cheaper and tastes better, or should I you know spend a little bit more time to cook and spend maybe a little bit more money or whatever it might be. Um, but I mean, like when I grew up, I my parents didn't teach me anything about nutrition. I ate like Wendy's and McDonald's five times a week, like ramen noodles, like just the worst diet ever. But unfortunately, that's like pretty common. Yeah, um, it's very common. And so when I got into college and, you know, started buying my own groceries and started learning about this stuff, I you know, would buy whole foods, you know, eating more of like a lot of like animal based kind of stuff, like meat, eggs, milk, all that stuff. And like, I just, I felt so much better. Um, I had more energy. I, I wasn't tired. I didn't have headaches. And so now I've been doing that for the last probably like five to six years. And I feel like now I have to keep doing that to keep with the lifestyle of like running and lifting every day and, you know, running a business and all this stuff, like having to do all that while feel like feeling like crap is just, it's not going to work. So yeah. Yeah. Having that proper nutrition and fuel is, is key, man. It's, it's a game changer. Like I wish I would have clued into some of this, you know, earlier, like you did, because uh, for us, it was like when we started having kids, we started paying a little more attention to like what's in different foods and like it's crazy the marketing that some of these food companies can get away with where they're you know marketing it as organic or healthy or local like there's just so much stuff when you really actually get some level of understanding of like what's in these foods and and whether they're good for you or not it's like holy crap i can't believe they're allowed to put that on the the box but so anyways for me like everything you just said, like I've just started really getting serious about it for myself in the last six months or so. Um, but the way it makes you feel in terms of energy levels, um, and, and once you kind of get used to eating clean, um, it doesn't take much for you to, to really feel the negative effects of eating garbage, like yep. one, one meal. And you're going to be like, Holy crap. I feel like complete crap i want to go take a nap like i just have no energy no motivation so like it doesn't take much to to really remind you you know why it's worth putting in the extra you know time and and money effort whatever to to eat clean yeah i think my girlfriend and i um are kind of on the same page about this which is nice but same thing with drinking and alcohol it's like when I was in college, like most other people, like we drink Friday, Saturday night and mm -hmm. your whole weekend is just like trying to recover from that. Yep. <laughs> and after doing that for a couple of years, I'm like, like, what is the point of this? Like, you know, it's fun to go out and socialize, but it just physically and mentally, it's just so terrible for your body and yeah. your mind. And so um, now, you know, we, we'll have like, if we got to dinner, we'll have a drink or something, but it's the same thing you mentioned of like, once you get used to not drinking and it's, it doesn't become a part of your daily life. And then, you know, you have that one drink at dinner, like two drinks. It's like, you feel it the next day and you're like, wow, I feel like absolute shit. And so it's like, man, I can't imagine how I was dealing with it when I was doing this every single weekend. Um, and I know I have plenty of friends still like back home that, that do the same thing every Thursday, Friday night, just like, just getting drunk and just, I don't know. It's, I don't know how they do it. Um, yeah. Well, same. my wife and I, we, we love to have a drink you know, every now and then, but we used to go a lot harder. And, you know, for us, it was, you know, any of these changes we've made have been, you know, we've been kind of slow to adopt some of it, kind of stubborn in some of it, like, because, you know, a lot of our friends were always out partying and drinking and stuff. So it was like, that was, that was what we did if we were going to, you know, be out socializing. So again, for us, like, you know, kids was, was a, a step in the right direction. Cause like, 
you think being hungover sucks? Like try being hungover with, you know, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. They don't know or care that you're hungover. They're going to be loud. They're going to climb all over you. They're going to want you to play with them. Like that's the only thing worse than a really bad hangover is like a really bad hangover with your two-year-old hanging out with you. Um, So we just kind of naturally started doing less and less of it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a game changer when, you know, you can just kind of get to a point where that's not like such a big part of your life. And I think it all comes down to, you know, prioritizing, right. You know, do you want to have the energy and the drive and the motivation to go out and really build the type of life that you want? Or do you want to take that, you know, short, quick win, right. That, that quick little dopamine hit. Cause like, it's fun to get drunk with your friends, you know, but you pay a price afterwards. And as you get older and you have more responsibilities and your body just doesn't, you know, recover as quickly from that. Um, it, it, you know, there's a, there's a tax that you have to pay. Um, you know, if that's a big part of your lifestyle. So it's interesting. I could nerd out on this type of stuff all day with you, but, um, so one of the other things I want to get from you is, you know, like, Everything there's been kind of some themes that have come up if we've been talking today, right? You know, just get started, start taking small steps. Um, consistency, you know, kind of leads to this compounding effect. Um, how how much do you think that what you've learned from running, you know, for the last five or six years, how much do you think that has and will continue to help you? you know, as you really go all in on this entrepreneurial journey? For me, it's, it's been a hundred percent, honestly, like that's uh that's always kind of the driving factor behind why I want to run is because it is such a tangible way to see progress, see yourself improving. And, and again, like making yourself in, you know, putting yourself into these uncomfortable situations. Um, and it's like, when you can have that tangible thing that you can you can see and you can look at the data and be like wow this is where i was two years ago and this is where i am now um i think that's just one of the most powerful things because you can take that and you can apply it to your business or your relationships or whatever it is that you're trying to grow or or prioritize and um i I don't know that i think that's again just why running is such a powerful thing or it might be strength training or it might be um you know doing a two-minute cold shower every day whatever it might be it's like just continuing to show up and do some sort of thing that where you can, you can literally see the progress. Um, that's really what keeps me going is like, is being able to do that and then know that it is, you know, bleeding into all these other parts of my life as well. Yeah. It's such good advice. And I think some of this is counterintuitive, right. Until you start to really see it in your own life. Right. Because, you know, kind of talking about what we were with like eating junk food and, you know, drinking more than you should. Like, I think, a lot of times like that, that sounds like the good life, right? It's like, Hey, I can eat whatever I want. It tastes good. It's easy. You know, I'm going out and having drinks with my friends. Like that's fun. Like who wouldn't want to do a lot of that. And, and on the flip side of that, you're like, well, if I'm intentionally doing hard things on a regular basis, that doesn't sound very enjoyable. But like what I've seen is that when I'm the happiest is when I'm, I'm operating in in a pretty optimized capacity right where i am intentionally you know making myself uncomfortable and i'm growing and i'm working on things not you know settling which you know i think that's where you can kind of end up in a rut and and for most people at least if they're there too long it's just it's not fulfilling it's not a recipe for for a happy life but i think that's that's counterintuitive for a lot of people yeah, again, I think a lot of it just comes down to that confidence. Um, I, and I think most people know that they shouldn't eat McDonald's and they shouldn't drink and they, you know, they shouldn't be sedentary. But I think most people just don't have the confidence in thinking like, oh, I could never run a marathon. I could never, um, I could never stop drinking because they don't, they don't believe in themselves because maybe somebody has never believed in them, um, or for whatever reason they just they don't have that confidence in themselves. And so I think, again, that is where by forcing yourself to do that thing every single day. Um, you just slowly build this confidence and, and teach yourself, um, maybe even at just a, like a more subconscious level of like, oh, I can go and do these very difficult things. I can, I can quit my job and go start a business. I can, um, I can go run a marathon. I can, you know, do these things that I always want to do that I know are going to make me better. Um, I, I think again, a lot of it just comes down to, to having that self-confidence. 
Yeah. You have a quote on your website that I wanted to point out. It says, if a thing is humanly possible, consider it within your reach. It's a Marcus Aurelius quote. I love that. And I think it ties in perfectly. Um, have you have you read much Stoic philosophy? Yeah, I've read um, uh, Meditations by Marcus yeah. Aurelius. I've read a lot of like Plato and Socrates and, and those kind of things. But uh, again, like that quote is on there specifically because of, you know, people like Cam Haynes or David Goggins. I, I not that like, I mean, I think those guys are so far ahead of me. That's why I idolize them. But um, like, I feel like their stories are just similar to mine and to tons of other people's because they're just like average dudes. They're just average people who they don't have this crazy talent. They're not like super smart, whatever it might be. Like they're just, they're average. And so that's why that quote is on there again, because it's like, if somebody else has done it, that means that you can do it as well. It's just a matter of, you know, you putting in the time and work that's required for you to get there. Um, and again, to bring up confidence, I think that's uh, that's one of the biggest things is like, if these people can do it, if this average person can go and do this big thing, then why can't I? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I, I was t- trying to get this across to my six-year-old daughter the other day. She's doing competitive dance and um, she's the youngest one, you know, on the competition team. And, you know, so she's in there and she sees these older girls that are, you know, far more advanced. They're, you know, they're they're bigger, their bodies are more developed, they're more coordinated, they've been dancing longer, and she sees them and and you know, she'll make comments from time to time where it's like she doesn't think she can ever get there. All right. And I'm like, look, did you did you watch them do it? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, then that means you can do that, too. Now, it might not be tomorrow. You got to be willing to put the work in. It's not going to happen automatically. But if they're doing it, there's no reason that you can't do it if you're willing to to put the work in, you know, to to learn. So I think it's a valuable lesson that that we all need to to keep reminding ourselves of. Um, like I said, I could nerd out on the stuff with you for, for the next three hours, but I know you're a busy guy and, and have a lot going on. Um, where can people find you? Where can they follow you, connect with you? If they're interested in any of the, the training or consulting services that you can, that, that you provide, where can they connect? Yeah, probably the best place is just my, my website. It's jeremymiller.io. And then, uh, my Instagram, probably the, the next best place is just Jeremy Miller. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, probably those those two options would be yeah. the best. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll make it easy for people to find. And um, Jeremy, man, really, really appreciate you making time to do this. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and getting to know you a little bit. Um, I know you've inspired me. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Awesome, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for dropping in. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.